I'm curious, what do you guys wish you knew about marriage that you know now? It's a great question. And thank you for asking because I do. I love, she is I love, ready. She goes, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Her right now, but it's I so know. good. Because her arms crossed. She like, was wondering uh, if they were going to ask this yeah. question. She didn't think <laughs> she they were. She prepared it in the car. <laughs> no, I just, I honestly don't think that people ask those who are divorced what they know about marriage. Which is probably the number one person you should ask. Do you see my pen? I got notes right here. Yeah, I'm looking to make it a little lighter. <laughs> Are we mutually aligned oh right now? Oh my goodness. Uh, there's, there's always, always two, two versions. <laughs> I mean, you're moving a little slow, but... Working I, I, really a- hard. <laughs> we will definitely talk about that later. <laughs> Love for work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Today we have a kind of a unique episode, a very personal episode. Mm, Yes. And as we're talking about the big things, the big things in relationships, the big topics in this series, um, this is one that a lot of times people aren't willing to go to. And so we sat down with two really close friends um, and we're talking about divorce. Yes. You know, we're sitting here on a relationship podcast and talking about divorce But I think it's really, really important. It's a big thing. It's something that most of us have somebody, our parents, relationships, friends, and also our own relationships right now that could be in separation, that could be having difficulty, that we're actively thinking about divorce in as well. So this is a big topic. Yeah, because divorce has oftentimes played a role in our past relationships. Yep. Like, so if your parents were divorced, you bring that into this relationship. Yeah. Um, if you're in a second relationship yeah. after divorce. And there's always like the hinge, like, are we going to make it, right? Right. And there, I think that if we're honest with you and I, there are many hinge moments that can happen in a relationship, right? You can look at each other and say, like, I don't know, this might be one of those moments where we're not quite sure. And I think this episode is going to be really, really good to think about it Um, from two women that have experienced love, that have experienced loss, but that have come around to hope in a really beautiful way and that have a lot to teach us about marriage relationships right now. Absolutely. Uh, Just for clarity, You're not saying this moment right now is one of those hinge moments for us, right? No, baby, not right now. Okay. But maybe like two weeks ago. I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) no, we are in a great place. But this is a great episode. I think people really need to listen to Everybody. Yeah. So share it with your friends. Yes. All right. So first we have Erin Eddy and she has written a book called So Worth Loving. How Discovering Your True Value Changes Everything. And it is out now and you need to buy it because it's amazing. Uh, And then we have Allie and she is an artist and a creative and she has an amazing Instagram called Allie Makes Things, which is A-L-I Makes Things. 
And she has some great art. Um, she's also at AllieMakesThings.com where you can purchase prints of her artwork. Both of these women are huge like content creators that they're just so vulnerable and they are so real. And as I think about this, like I, I want to be really careful to state and overly state this. This is not meant to be a scarlet letter on our friends. Oh, no. Right. This no. is meant, they came on. They came on here because they have been through incredible healing processes themselves and want to share what they have learned about their process with all of you. Like this is a gift that yes. they're sharing with us. Yes. And the whole point of it is also to see right at this moment, these strong, amazing, beautiful humans that are full of hope for love right now and capable of all of that and that have learned from a lot of loss, which so, is all of us in some way and form. Yeah. So thank you, Allie and Aaron, for being vulnerable and sharing their stories with us. They went deep with us really quickly. So we listened to three things. Number one, the grass is not greener on the other side. Mm. Number two, <laughs> there is a moment, and I, I made light of it because Aaron said, you activated my empathy. I said, I don't think that's ever happened in my life before. Is <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful thought. I've actually thought a lot empathy about it. activation. Empathy activation. I want that. I want to integrate that into my life in some way. Number three, the hard realities and desires and needs of community in the midst of divorce. Yeah. The importance of it. We're going to learn a lot from them about that. What you should say, what you shouldn't say, all the things, all the things. All right. So today... We welcome and we thank you, Allie and Aaron. I met my former husband when I was 17. We dated for four and a half years. I was a month into being 21 when we got Babies. married. I was baby. a baby. I, I got engaged when I was 20 in November. Um, and then my 21st birthday was April. Then we got married in May. And so we were together for a little over 13 years. Um, we were married for nine and a half years. We were with each other from like teenage, he's three years older than me. So we were together um, really through a lot of our development mm -hmm. together um, yeah. in all of our 20s and late 20s. And uh, we owned a business. So we kind of grew into our passions together being married. Um, and then we co-owned two businesses together um, before we went through our divorce. And so I've been divorced for, it will be four years. I can't believe it's already been four years. Isn't that wild? Yes, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Allie, what about you? Um, I met my former husband when I was in high school. We went to the same high school and we didn't date. He was actually dating one of my friends at the time, but... Um, we ended up both working at a church and I grew up very conservatively. And so getting married was kind of the next step. I didn't really know what I was going to do for uh, education afterwards. Didn't really have college plans. So I thought I was going to go into ministry and he was working at church and I was working at the church and everyone said we would be perfect for each other. And there was a lot of seeking wisdom during that time and a lot of people weighing in and everyone seemed like it was the best thing for us. So I had hesitations in the beginning, but I didn't trust myself enough to know what those mm. 
mm. you know, what those were and how to discern my decisions. And so he and I got married. Um, we actually bought an engagement ring on my 20th birthday on a whim. We just, <laughs> just did it. We just did it. We were parking. We were actually going to a Mexican restaurant for lunch for my birthday. And we parked outside of an estate jewelry place that was having a sale. <laughs> And this is when I like, wonder if I'm oh, a seven. I feel, I feel like the stars align. So and let's yeah, do this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just was like, well, why not? Let's go look at rings. And so we walked in and hadn't really been in that place beforehand, but we made that decision. And I walked out having bought an engagement ring that day. And so from that point, I do feel like I... I was in the headspace of this is what we were doing. We ended up getting married when I was 21. We had a pretty unique marriage. We were married for two and a half years. And during that time, I think because we were young, we had a lot of people living with us in and out. And it felt probably what a lot of college experiences were like. But this is, you know, it was the beginning of our marriage, which it wasn't a great foundation Mm. Um, and we we're married for two and a half years and now we will have been divorced for 10. So wow. got a little perspective on that. <laughs> this yeah. Point. yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about big issues and I think there are a lot of people listening that probably either have been through a divorce and maybe are looking for another relationship or in their second relationship. Or there are people thinking about divorce, mm. people currently separated. I mean, 2020 has been a hard year and divorce has gone up in the year too. So I think it's impacting a lot more people now probably than ever. Yeah. And some people are still in the relationship. They're just holding on until after COVID, I think. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. like, yeah, or, or, you know, you hear a lot about until their kids are out of high school, they're just yeah. going to stay there until their kids leave yeah. the house, yeah. right? Yeah. And just stay in this kind of like not happy marriage yeah. because yeah. they don't want their kids impacted. And then, um, so yeah, there's so yeah. many scenarios. Yeah. Sometimes there's a perspective that the grass is greener if they were mm -hmm. out of this relationship yeah. or yeah. I, I'm curious what you guys would say to someone mm. that is in that relationship pondering leaving. Yeah. What to do next. Yeah. I think that we do that with a lot of things. I think that we, marriage is one of them. I think that we do that with our career. Mm -hmm. If my career looked like this, I would be happy. If I had this kind of house, I would be happy. If I have this kind of whatever the X is, I would be happier. I would flourish more. And I think we do that with marriage. I think that we search for fulfillment in another person. If mm -hmm. they if they could just do these things, I would be more fulfilled. I'd be more satisfied in my Absolutely. marriage. Right? I totally agree. We will be talking today. <laughs> we hit a button. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but don't we do yeah, that? We do. We, yeah. do. we do. And I think it's normal. I know I did that. I did that when I was married. If he could just be like this, you know, or if our marriage was just like this, or if he could love me better like this, then we would be able to like get along and we would be able to connect more and we would have more sex and we would do all these things that we talk about and that we desire. But I think that there's, um, when we start feeding that thought, I think we just 
start feeding that thought and then we feed it more and then we feed it more and then it becomes this like appetite that that person literally can never satisfy because we start feeding it with like a little seed and then we just let that seed grow mm. instead of maybe even addressing what is the core what is the core issue what are some of like what's underneath the soil as to why we start to think those things it's interesting because for me, I felt really lonely in my marriage. And so there was an aspect of the grass is greener, mm. but it also caused me to isolate even more. And I don't know that it would have mattered really what he did after a certain point because it was just, it became something that was my issue at that point. When you were talking about like the thought of like the families who wait until their kids are older. Mm -hmm. That was actually an influence for me um, because I had friends whose parents did that and I was still pretty young. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking through that divorce with them and seeing that. And I just felt like the, um, the damage that was done there was so great to my friends because it felt like their whole lives and upbringing had been a lie. Mm. And they didn't know if they could trust their parents because everything that they had seen was just so, they they questioned everything. Mm. All these memories, happy and hard memories were then, you know, under right. review. And so I remember seeing that and thinking about starting a family with this man that I was really struggling with and wondering if I could, you know, go the distance there. Right. And so that was actually a really big consideration for me during that point. Mm -hmm. you, you touched on something that I totally agree with too, because it's, maybe it's not even, sometimes you experience the grass is greener, but sometimes, yeah, you can feel completely abandoned in your marriage. You can be like surrounded and feel abandoned mm -hmm. and feel lonely. Mm -hmm. And it's not even that the grass is greener necessarily, but sometimes you just desire relief. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was kind of what I was desiring. My grass was greener, wasn't another person necessarily. It mm -hmm. was almost just to find my way back to myself. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had lost myself so much in that relationship that I didn't even know what that looked like to get back there. Mm -hmm. But when I fantasized about life after divorce, it was honestly like a very bleak picture if we're looking at it, but it was just me being alone. And it was me kind of being just like having a life of my own mm. um, because we didn't have so many of the important conversations that I think need to happen before two people decide to enter into a lifelong partnership. Mm -hmm. You know, like do our values and life plans align? Is this something that we can do together that we want to do together? Mm -hmm. And I've listened to a lot of the podcast episodes that you guys have released. And I mean, the tension between love and work, I think one of the things there, it's like, do our goals for both love and work align? Mm -hmm. We didn't have any of those kind of conversations prior. Mm -hmm. We didn't do premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a, you know, a lot of variables that contributed to that. We had a, a community surrounding us, but the time of our engagement was actually pretty isolated. And that was a really big issue mm -hmm. when we were married. You know, some of these things that you can connect with when you are dating just get you know, magnified so much when you are trying to do life mm -hmm. with another person. Yeah. You kind of alluded earlier that you guys were in business together. Mm -hmm. And that's actually part of, you know, historically what we've been talking about for the last couple of years in this is this tension of doing all that together. I'm curious if you have a take on that since then, 
that might be different than ours or that you've thought about in this tension of, of love and work? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because my former husband and I, we like grew together and working together. Like, like my parents manufactured furniture. So when we were dating, he would, my parents would hire him to help with uh, putting together showrooms. And so we learned how to do that at such a young age in dating and worked together on putting uh, retail stores together. That's what we did for my parents. We would put together all the retail stores that they had, showrooms, things like that. And then when we started our own endeavors, there was a mutual agreement that was unspoken that we just show up for each other and we do those things. You know, it's just Mm. like a mutual agreement that we are for each other. Um, But then I think what happened over time is as we were growing in our own endeavors, we started believing a lie and telling ourselves different things. At least I can speak for myself because I can't speak for him. But as an observation, it's like the, the, the pride and the ego that comes with work. Like I know I mentioned this in my talk yesterday with you, Jeff, that like you do have some sort of ego and what you like when you pursue something, you have some form of pride and ego because you think that you're like crazy enough to start an idea and do it. And then when you have two people that are doing it, y'all are both crazy to think that you can do it together. You know, it's like, you got to have that, but there's a healthy form of it. But I think that there can be an unhealthy form that starts to manifest and then unhealthy habits and things that aren't faced along the way chip at the foundation. And I think that that's personally what happened with us is that we weren't paying attention to the foundation. We were reacting to things that were happening in our business, um, but we weren't maintaining our own yard. You know, um, We weren't pulling out the weeds. We, weren't, we had some mutual agreements on things that we did early on in our relationship. But over time, there was just this deterioration that was happening that was damaging both of us secretly. It was like a secret killer. So does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I mean, it kind of leads me to ask another question. I'm just going to keep asking questions. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the ride. (laughs) We all are. Um, We have no idea, y'all, what's going to happen. (laughs) So, and I'm not sure how to fully ask this question, but I have a feeling, this is my intuition, that in the midst of the process of separation, there's a time where you blame each other or something like that. But then very quickly, you you can sit in that, but very quickly, if you're going to move on in life, you have a ton of Mm self-reflection. And (laughs) is this fair? Is this fair? Uh, Yeah. So true. Okay. So I'd love for you guys to unpack that because I think that there's, there's two sides of the equation of listeners. One, Mm -hmm. someone may be, separating from a long-term relationship Mm -hmm. and they're entering into that. The Mm -hmm. other is if they're in that relationship and they don't want to move on, there's a chance they need to go through that Mm self-reflection, right? So can you share, both of you share about that process? I don't even think there's a chance they need to. I think it's inevitable. You have to. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, you can run away from it as long as you want, but at some point it will resurface in future relationships. And that can be any kind of relationship because at the end of the day, it is work that we need to do ourselves. And I grew up very conservatively, like I said. So my process of separation and getting divorced was super isolating. And I think in a way, one of the things that I did maybe as 
survival tactic or strategy was to almost use some of his actions as evidence and to say, this is, you know, this is why our relationship ended. And when I look back at that, I have so much more grace for myself in it, honestly. And after walking with other friends who have gone through that process, I kind of see that that is a beginning part of the process. You can blame the other person as much as you want. But I think at the end of the day, it really does come down to both of us had work to do. And I can only control and I am only responsible for my own work. And I get to choose what the rest of my life looks like. And it is no longer attached to this other person. Right. You only so, have you now. Yeah. And so, and so the, the irony of that is there's no one else to blame at that point. Right. Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, like the common yeah. denominator. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's the, the quote or the idea of like, wherever you go, there you are. You can right. run away as much as you want, but at the end of the day, you have to be okay going to bed and waking up with just yourself and facing those feelings and facing all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. it it took me probably longer than most people I know to work through that process, honestly. And I think it's because there was a ton of shame around it for me, guilt mm-hmm. and shame. And I had to work through that very slowly. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so well said. I remember Allie was just so present in my life during separation and then just the rebuild. And she would just always bring me back to that truth that I think what we do when we have somebody going through a divorce that we know, we ask them the question, what happened? Like, what was the thing? And there can be big things, right? And that's mm-hmm. when we use those big things as a weapon to justify the divorce. It's like, well, he, you know, he had an affair or she had an affair or they have an addiction or they, you know, they have abandoned me or whatever it may be, yeah. whatever the reason is. And to not at all belittle those things that are painful to be on the other side of with somebody that you love and they are choosing something away from you, but it's not a sudden thing. And that's what I recognized. And that's why I felt so lonely and isolated because people just wanted to find comfort in what the thing was. And if the big thing didn't satisfy the reason for divorce, they had a really hard time showing up and being present for it. I would say, especially in the faith community. Yes. And it's... It's like we have these reasons that feel like acceptable answers on why divorce would be okay. And then there's a list of things. And honestly, anything that feels vague doesn't fit very well into a black and white list. Uh, Absolutely. And it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it rarely happens overnight, I should say. And otherwise it is, it's more like a bunch of small things. And then one day it snaps. And so much of it is everyone wants a simple answer. And we all do as humans. I think we want simple answers, Mm -hmm. but like what you're saying, it's like there, it isn't in this case. Yes. And so it is hard to, for people to support well. It's so true. Cause I remember I blamed and I became a victim very easily. And it was easy for me to like pinpoint certain things that I could use against to honestly, like what you were saying, like survive or feel like I'm, it's validated. Mm -hmm. And I would bring that list to lunches and dinners for people that just really just wanted to be in the know, but not want to be with me in it. They just Mm -hmm. wanted to know what was going on. And 
I just remember thinking I just need to bring my list so that I'm, I'm, you know, accepted and that I'm seen and in this. And I, I'm confused. I, I, you literally do feel like in those early times of wrestling with what everything is coming, like when things come to the surface, you do feel like you're in a tidal wave because you just don't know if you're swimming down to the sand, you're swimming sideways, you're swimming up for air, you're swimming to the shore. You really have no idea. And so easy to just blame and victimize in those times. And then being on the other side, having friends that um, kind of want you to be a victim to satisfy their confusion Mm -hmm. of divorce. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I look back and I'm like, I just wish I had friends that I had some friends like Allie was just such an incredible friend in in that time. And she spoke so much truth of like getting me out of victim. (laughs) She got me out of victim mentality. (laughs) I I feel like part of that though is doing it myself once and just being like, Hey, you can do this as long as you want, but it's not going to serve you in the long run. She has this conversation. It's late at night. I'm here for as long as you want. You can tell me the story as long as you want, but at some point, like it, does run out Uh (laughs) and you're going to have to deal with it at some point. I wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. So yeah, it's so true. That's, I think that leads me to kind of that idea that you're talking about. Like if you know somebody who's going through a divorce Mm -hmm. or if you are friends with somebody in that space, what would you say were things that were super helpful and supportive? Like you kind of mentioned what Allie was doing to you to help you not be a victim. Mm -hmm. Erin, I, I remember being with you a lot through the, that mm-hmm. time too. And no just a lot of the things that really hurt you from other people. I remember being like, note to self, mm-hmm. do not ever say this. <laughs> note to self. Like, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I, I could see how much it was really hurting you. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me some of those things yeah. or, or share some of those things with our listeners. I just got teary eyed when you were sharing mm-hmm. that because I remember like, Oh, I might cry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm already going to cry. I know. I think because I saw you get teary-eyed. It just activated my empathy. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember sitting on the patio at Plywood and um, we were sitting out there talking and I was, I think I was like relaying some shame to you that like people had said to me, like I was told that I wasn't a woman of God if I get divorced. I was told I can't be on stage because I'll normalize divorce for young girls, specifically into the the faith community. And then I just had friends that um, I felt like they wanted to be my friend if I made their life look good. But if my life was messy and they were a, a part of that, they just kind of left. Mm-hmm. And so I felt very used um, yeah. in that time. And so I remember sitting on that patio with you. And I just remember you saying, Erin, you are lovable right now. Like you're not lovable once you get out of this. You're not like you are lovable right now. And it just, I carried that with me when I would have like the shame spiral of things mm-hmm. that were being said over me. Yeah. Um, I am lovable right now. I don't have to get to a certain point in order um, to be lovable. Mm-hmm. And there were some things that people said to me, like those statements that were just... So painful yeah. or just like being removed from group text messages, you know, yeah. of like friend groups that, I, that of group text messages. Maybe I even brought those friends together and right. they like nick me out, you know, or like, cause they just don't know how to talk about it Yeah, or seeing people on social media, just living their best life and not wanting to come over and just help sit with me in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt very 
abandoned, but also maybe because I rejected some of their help too. So there is ownership in that, but there's just some of those little things. What advice would you give to friends Mm. of what they could say or how they should approach those moments? I think that for me, at least, and most of the friends I've seen go through this, it feels like you said, a tidal wave. It is grief and trauma and also complete uncertainty for your future. It's everything that could be hard wrapped into one event at the time. And when you don't know what the future looks like, I mean, you feel like you're walking around in space, like everyone else is just living normal lives, but you have just been hit by something that makes Mm -hmm. it almost impossible to engage on that level. And I remember just feeling so isolated. So even friends who just let me be in a space to share and to talk, I didn't have a ton of that, but the people who did, I I think back and I'm like, wow, I must've been so annoying or obnoxious just because, you know, you are going through the same thing over and over and over, but it's grief and trauma too. And I didn't have many places for that. And so my safe places were really one of the only places I had to be safe. So even just listening, I know that sounds simple, but like we talked earlier about just listening and being able to sit with somebody's questions, because a lot of times if a friend is in the space, they might not know what they want to do yet. Mm -hmm. And no one else knows what the relationship looks like out from the outside. And I think that's what was really hard with my experience is that we were very like, Everything looked great public facing and it seemed like it came out of nowhere, but it didn't. And everyone else was shocked. And so it was almost like they needed time to process what was going on in my life before they could like be involved in it. And I lost a ton of friends and you're already going through enough transition. So the friends who can stay there and stay present with you and actually stick it out. And regardless of what that means to say you're still lovable right now, like that is beautiful and so important because you definitely don't feel lovable in that moment. Not in a marriage, not with your friends, even to yourself. You're just kind of like, I wish I could escape me right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so true. I remember there was a friend that I, I had a fallout with. She, this last year, reached out to me and wanting, wanted to get coffee. And it was like, it was all of a sudden urgent for her. It was, it was really sweet. And we had met maybe a few times since in the last four years, but it was different. And she, when we got coffee and she just sat across and she just apologized again. She apologized for how it, how everything went down and how um, absent she was. But the thing that was so healing in that reconciliation, because I think to your point, like it's such a trauma to the person that's divorce is trauma and grief cycles do happen. You're going to experience me on like a wonderful day where you're like, oh, she's great. She can talk about normal life things, like mm-hmm. what kind of car to buy. And then she's like, I can't buy a car. I'm sad. And like all of a sudden you're, it's like a dramatic, like sad anger, all of it coming out. <laughs> but it is also a trauma to the community. It's a trauma to your friends too, because they are like, what in the world? How did that happen? And and when she came to me and we, we had coffee and then she we had coffee reconciled and then we met up again. And the thing that she said to me that was so healing to our friendship was just her saying, I've realized that I'm only on like one dimension of the person you were married to. Mm -hmm. Like I only know one side Mm -hmm. and 
it was not fair for me to think that I knew all sides Mm -hmm. because you've been with this person since you were 17. So I, like, she's like, I can't, I can't say that I know the same person Mm -hmm. to then judge you for the choice that you're making. And I think to what I got out of that experience and mine's very specific and that detail of of how she said that, but for her to just come to me and say, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I am like so sorry that I acted like I knew. Mm. That was really powerful for our friendship. And it's just been really cool to see our friendship grow again. And I think that's like super valuable for anybody listening with anybody going through that, right? Like no matter what, like we do not know the whole story of anybody's circumstance that they're in right now. And so this like choosing sides or like, you know, picking one thing or the other, you know, like it's just like... Yeah it's not going to, you're, you're never going to have the whole story no. in any way. Yeah. So Yeah. And community is changes in the midst. Of that. I can, I'm just, I'm sitting here processing, not trying to process if we ever got a divorce, but processing it in a weird <laughs> yeah. way. and thinking, okay, all my friends, all of our friends, they are naturally trying to figure out who they're going to talk to or who they're not going to talk to. And there's this like weird thing that happens communally. Mm-hmm. And then someone goes, mm-hmm. how could this ever have happened in the back of your head? You're thinking you obviously didn't know us like, right. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, there is a depth of relationship we mm-hmm. actually didn't have with these people because they didn't mm-hmm. know what was going on or whatever. Anyway, there's a lot flowing yeah. through my head all at once when you were sharing. Well, and I think what's really hard about that is that your friends do feel often pressured to make a choice on who sure. they need to support during this time. And that was as painful as our breakup. You yeah. know, it was as painful as any other aspect of it because I needed that community desperately during that time. And to then have people evaluate which half of the friendship they were closer with or felt more Mm. connected to at this point or based on our actions, you know, whatever it was, however they determined who they wanted to stay supporting, it felt like rejection in so many ways, especially of our core group of friends. And that was just another devastation to the whole, to the whole process. And I do think people, this is something that I, um, I've said before, and I, I don't know, it can probably be taken different ways, but I feel like people almost look at divorce as being contagious, like yeah. married friends, where if we talk about it, I might catch it or my husband might catch it. That is so like, true. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here going, if Andre were to Uh-oh. talk to these two for a little bit, they probably would find everything wrong with me. That she, I, I, could, I get that. Like, I yeah. Get that and I feel fear. like a lot of, yeah. honestly, my friend's husbands were more like, yes. I don't know if you should be spending so yes. much time with this woman yeah with your friend and yeah i mean i I, listen i'm not you guys can give me this i promise you i i understand the story yeah totally and i do too it doesn't offend me it's just like i almost want to demystify it i was that divorced woman in aaron's life (laughs) (laughs) you know like oh are you sure you want to hang out with her you're definitely going to go down that path if you if you keep talking to her and I'm which like, isn't true. Which, I mean, no, not at all. No, no. no. I remember that was said to me multiple that's times really that I was when I was with any friend that was divorced, separated, or what, or single, and I would get those statements of mm-hmm. like, 
don't, you're going to, you're going to want to get divorced. You're going to want to like catch that bug. Yeah. And <laughs> and I'm on the other is, side going, it's not necessarily easier yeah, over here. Like, right. Like you're like dying yeah. inside. And you're like, I'm not telling. I'm like, Hey, and you can all, I'm like, I mean, for me, I'm like, you can always make that decision if that's the one that you need to make. But right now, if there is something that you believe is worth fighting for in your marriage, fight for it until yeah. you truly believe that there is no other route to go. Yeah. And I I honestly mm. don't know if I did that in my own marriage. And so I do mm-hmm. challenge my friends to go do that. But yeah. we we were really young and we didn't have the support at the time. And I think when I look back at it from 10 years, you know, elevation or whatever it is and say yeah, you know what? We probably could have made that work, but I didn't have the resources. And by the time that I wanted to make that decision, I was so just broken and felt so exhausted. Aaron, you said yesterday to me something that I want you, you you mentioned something about this context of belief and community. Mm -hmm. What was it that you said to me? Yeah, I said, um, community offers you belief when you don't have it. Like community can lend you belief when you feel like you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in what's going on. Community lends you belief. Community lends you faith when you don't have, that's like what community is supposed to be there for. It's supposed to show up in the messy stuff. It's supposed it's supposed to roll your sleeves up and get dirty. Like if you want community, you get dirty with people's childhood wounds, their triggers, their, their agreements, their lies. I mean, you are face to face with that. And I do think that we are all just some level away from... Uh, experiencing someone's wound, someone's lie, someone's hurt. And that you have to have the, I guess, the resiliency to push past those things and to show up for people. I wrote about this in my book. There's a group of women that we were all married couples with and their husbands took a side. So the women, it created tension in their marriage if the wives hung out with me Mm -hmm. because the husbands took the side of my former husband. And it created just this divide in our community where the women felt bad to hang out with me because the husband didn't want her to because she might catch the bug because I initiated mm-hmm. the divorce. And it was just this, this infection in community. Instead of leaning into it, it was like dividing it more. I mean, the, and the, the reason is, as the only man, I'm like, <laughs> I know, it's three against, I know there's, there's three women here. The you reason are is very many, strong women. Many of us men, if you were to really push us, we wonder if we're being good husbands. Like at the core, mm-hmm. are we doing. So it's your own insecurity. Absolutely. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so it's your own insecurity you're projecting on on the the most the and, woman who is in the most pain yeah and vulnerable state and vulnerable state if there's Uh-oh. any white man privilege, if true. there's any privilege right there it's that and i'll say that's really brave I'm seeing for you. a lot of finger pointing at me right now i'm just <laughs> saying <laughs> no i mean i, I think, do it's think really brave right. to admit that and yeah. I, it's so honest and real and i I think that you've hit a like a you've touched something that I think a lot of men need to hear. Like they need to not look so inwardly at what they're doing wrong, but show up in community because men do need to show up more in community. The flip side of that is we are not receiving always the affirmation that we desire. So that's in the midst of it. We're not sure if what we're doing 
is meeting expectation, yeah. right? So that's the right. flip side. It's like, so there's two sides of the coin. It's totally. not, yes, there's all kinds of fears. There's all kinds of doubt. Um, and so we wonder in the midst of this. Yeah. Well, I think that's natural in any relationship or partnership where you're, where you're looking at it going, are there divorceable, uh, you know, things going on here? Are there, yeah. it, would there be reason to do this? Yeah, probably in almost every relationship or every relationship you could say that. And so I do think that there is a space of vulnerability there of to almost realize we're not infallible and mm -hmm. to kind of see that. But I think that's when you then say, what can we do to strengthen our marriage? Mm -hmm. Because I'm seeing this and it doesn't necessarily mean just retracting your support of the person that's going through this difficult time, you know? I do want to so well say mm -hmm. you can hang out with them as much as you want, whether <laughs> you have my permission or not. I did I'm not ask for it. At no time I did, did I say ever in our relationship, just for clarity, that yeah, Andre, Andre could not hung out with Erin. Oh, yeah. Andre hung out with me. I remember she was like, if you need me to come over and like put things in the yard and burn things, I'll do that. Or we can just like pack things up. And you did. You helped me pack things up. Yeah. Remember? I, I was, remember the pictures. We did all your pictures. We did all my Polaroids. And yeah. she just was like, I'll just take that Polaroid. I'll just take that one. She was so sweet. <laughs> and that honestly... And marriage. It's great. <laughs> I didn't catch it's, the bug. You can't, you can't catch it. <laughs> okay. well, and no that's important thing. to, I mean, sit in those moments. Those moments are really hard. And mm -hmm. to go through stuff like pictures and pack stuff up. I mean, that is devastating. You are unassembling a life that you have built with another person. And I, I mean, to be able just to be in the room, you don't have to say I'm co-signing this divorce. At no right. point does that even have to be your perspective. It is totally possible to support the person in your life without, you know, be taking a stance on it. Right. And I think that would be the biggest thing that friends can do probably yeah. is just show up. I That's mean, it really sounds simple. Good. Listen, show up, keep inviting them. I stopped getting invitations. Yes, like mm -hmm. I was no longer included. Mm -hmm. And even if you think you're the only one who's not including someone, you are not everybody across the board did that at that point. And so it was extremely isolating. And I'm sure I wasn't the most fun during that time. But <laughs> I mean, like, keep inviting people. <laughs> just wanted to show up yeah, <laughs> somewhere. So how have you changed and how have you <laughs> like, that's, a, that's an easy question. Yeah. I mean, like maybe what is like, you know, I think you were yeah. saying like you lost yourself. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you really wanted to do is find yourself yeah. and your voice. Right. Yeah. And probably learn to trust your own intuition in some way. Right. Yeah, in some way or Aaron, like, you know, stopping being the victim and how to take ownership. Like what, what are some of those, what are the biggest learning things? I mean, I did not realize how much of a people pleaser I was. Yeah. How, I mean, I would never have thought that I was such a people pleaser and um, that that really dictated so many of my life choices. Mm -hmm. I think that's honestly one of the reasons I got married was because I had already put it out there that that's what I was going to do. And, and everyone was so supportive. People, yeah, everyone was so supportive that I couldn't imagine letting all these people down yeah, right. to the point where I was willing to betray myself because I just couldn't imagine actually standing up and saying the things that I felt inside. Mm -hmm. And I completely lost my way in that 
Like I had no idea how to go there. So I would say that was a big one for me. And from there, it was really interesting. Like when you lose the um, acceptance and just everyone in your life, when you disappoint everyone in your life, it becomes a lot easier to make the decisions that you truly need to make for yourself Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of freedom in that, in disappointing everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It felt like a really awful way to learn, Mm -hmm. but it did give me the freedom to make the choices I thought because I was no longer holding what I thought was the status quo for my life that everybody else was determining. And empathy. Like I do feel strongly about now being a person who can stand in that space for other women that are going through separation or divorce because I didn't have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. And so I try to, you know, say things about my experience and um, speak on Instagram and with friends in my real life because I know how hard it is to be in that space. And so I want to be able to be there when other people are going through it. And I think that, I mean, it touches all of us in our lives. And I hope, I hope there's more women and Aaron, you probably are in this space too, where it's like you find each other. Mm -hmm. Women will seek you out. Women I didn't even know started seeking me out because they knew I had gone through Mm -hmm. something like this. And it kind of becomes a club in a way, like this Mm -hmm. divorce club where it's like, yeah, you at least know what, what this is like and where I'm at. So where should I go? What should I do? And I think that was one of the worst parts of it. I didn't have resources. I, there was not a lot of people that I trusted and believed in and like thought were like leading healthy, good lives that were examples of divorce. Mm -hmm. And that was problematic for me because I still wanted to get divorced. And I also wanted to be you know, I, my faith was still important to me and I wanted to live a healthy life, but I didn't have examples of people who had done that. So I didn't know what that path looked like. Right. I completely agree. I realized how much of a people pleaser I was, how much I said yes to things to be more respected. Um, I was burning myself out. I was on fight or flight mode for probably years and I didn't even realize it. I'm, I already have a ton of energy as just my personality <laughs> And then I think I was on this other level of adrenaline just for survival in some ways because I was denying things that I didn't want to believe. I didn't want to... Like now I feel like I walk towards pain when I used to avoid it at all costs. I walk towards pain because I think pain is such a healer and such a teacher to us. Um, But I was in such denial of wanting to be... I did not want to feel any pain. So I would reframe what my marriage looked like in my mind at home and I would reframe, I would just reframe everything. So I think in some ways that I changed was acknowledging what you said, Ali, about people pleasing, saying yes too much. Um, I also went through a time of just deconstructing my faith. Um, I, you know, grew up in a Christian household, um, saved myself from marriage, did all these like right things, quote unquote, right things before you get married, did premarital counseling. We did like a six week course. We had like one-on-one counseling and stuff like that. Um, And then I'm finding myself in a divorce, confused of who God is and angry at him and defied him. And so a, a lot of my story is recognizing how much I was performing for faith and I had to deconstruct that. 
there was so much, even though there were choices that I made that hurt other people, and there were choices that I made that were unhealthy after my divorce, I don't think anybody just like falls off a pedestal. Like I think some people actually leap off of it because there's freedom, because there's so much pressure that you've, like when we hear stories of people that have like fallen off, you know, the deep end, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people dive in because they just, they're tired of being on that. Mm-hmm. that they almost take, they just implode unhealthily, but we just decide to implode our entire life because we right. never wanted to be there in the first place. And so I think I changed so much by just deconstructing. I chose really unhealthy things from for myself out of pain, but I grew from those things and I learned more about what pain was and learned how to deal and accept it and apply it now. And I can sit with somebody that has made just, you know, unfortunate decisions that have hurt their self-esteem or their self-worth or um, there's, there's, or I can sit with a woman that is going through a divorce or separation or contemplating it. And I know what that pain is. And I am not impacted by, by her choices. Like I can just, and by that, I mean, I can sit with her and I'm not going to judge her or feel like she's a threat to anything that I'm going through. I can genuinely show up because I've seen so like so much of my own messiness that it's it just it's easier to sit with somebody that's going through something messy. Yeah. I think the deconstruction was a huge part for me too of my faith. Um because growing up in a very fundamentalist kind of background and baseline for what I knew, I was then making a choice that was marking me as a sinner, capital S. And I felt like that. I felt like I was walking around with that label on me. And um, from there, I just, I was lucky to have a couple people in my life who asked me, so what? So what if that's a sin? So what if divorce is a sin? Does that change the way that God loves you? Who was God in all of this? Because at the time I was projecting my shame and guilt onto God and his view of me. And I didn't know how to move forward because I couldn't separate that. And then once I was able to kind of get a little bit further away from my own guilt and shame, it was like, is God bigger than these boxes that I have created that are acceptable? Like an acceptable personhood or could it be that God is going to be present in my life currently? Could I still be used for purpose and good? Mm. Even though I've made these decisions, I'm making these decisions. What does that look like? What does it look like for me to try to be a person of faith who is also walking on this path? And, you know, I mean, that's a really hard place to kind of travel and it feels very lonely. (laughs) I'm curious, what do you guys wish you knew about marriage that you know now? It's a great question. And thank you for asking because I do. She is ready. She goes, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Her right now, but it's so good. She, has her arms she like, was wondering uh, if they were going to ask this yeah. question. She didn't think <laughs> she they were. She prepared it in the car. <laughs> no, I just, I honestly don't think that people ask those who are divorced what they know about marriage. Which is probably the number one person you should ask. I know in business, yes. I, I, said, I, mean, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like in entrepreneurial things, when people fail, 
we will often talk about it and glorify yeah, what did it. You learn in that yeah. failure. Yeah. You know, let's talk about all of our past failures so that we can talk about what we learned. Failed but when past. you're divorced, yeah. that does not get asked of you. They it's just a straight up failure. All right. So, <laughs> so let me go back to the question. Let me ask right, you again. Right. What do you wish you knew about marriage that you know to be true now? I think one of the things that I wish I would have known is partnership, like how to be both a good partner and to make decisions with another person. Yeah. And what that looks like for the give and take, because more than our life being like a pursuit of our goals, you become this other entity in a relationship and have to navigate what us looks like and what we are going to look like. And there's so much more compromise than I had ever, you know, understood prior. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that you learn in marriage regardless, but I also don't think that we had enough conversations about what each of us wanted individually prior Mm -hmm. and how we would navigate that together. I agree. I think I was, because I did get married so young, I just thought it was just going to be this like fantasy adventure with the person that I love. And I I made it a, I made marriage a fantasy instead of what it is realistically. And it is, which I'm realistically is way more beautiful than fantasy. It is a partnership. It's learning more about like, how can I sacrifice and love this other person I'm doing life with and we do it together? Versus how can I get my adventure and my love from this person? Like I think sometimes what I have done in the past and what I learned is that I was doing things where I was extracting and getting something from my former husband instead of doing life with. And doing life with looks a lot different than doing life from or for. And there is this misconception. There is this fantasy of what we think marriage is, but the reality is so much more beautiful because you do like, we all crave to intimately know, like be known really for like, be really known, like underneath the surface, be known and seen. And that is hard, but we fantasize that it's easy. And I think that I thought it was going to be easy. And then when it wasn't, and I realize it's more painful. I'm not married again. So, but I do think that I've learned that partnership is a with and it is a constant surrender to not extracting from somebody, but desiring the best for somebody and maintaining my healthy boundaries too. Mm-hmm. And I think also knowing yourself and yeah. investing in self in a way that contributes to being a good partner. I was really young and I didn't, I had no idea what I even wanted for my own future. And so I had this kind of vague idea of what I wanted and also this vague idea of what I was missing out on. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I would have had more guidance during that time too, in just assistance with my mental health, with me as a partner, development of myself at that time, because I do think my immaturity played into it. And not saying everyone who is divorced is that, but for me personally, I just had no idea who I was and how to even be a 
good partner because I didn't know what I wanted for myself. So this other person was definitely not going to be able to do it for me. And that is a really, I mean, that's a losing place to be for a partner to be in, in that position. They can't fix Mm -hmm. the things that you have going on inside of you. That's right. Yeah. And it's, and I think the reason that we go to that person to fix it, I think we do like the, I'm going to get something from you or I'm going to do something for you. And we keep a tally of it instead of I'm going to do life with you, knowing Mm -hmm. who I am, being interdependent in who I am. Because I think that interdependent and codependent, you know, like I think I was very codependent because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my voice. I didn't know how to, to be confident in it. And if I'm not confident in my own voice, I'm not going to be able to sit with somebody that is insecure in theirs. In fact, I'm putting all my eggs in their basket, hoping that they're more Mm -hmm. confident than me instead of me becoming confident in me. Yeah. I mean, I'm going back to love and work again. But for me, I had also these ideas of what my purpose was. And to be in a partnership that didn't feel like it was supporting my purpose. And I wasn't sure that he was pursuing his. So it wasn't even like, okay, I'm sacrificing this to support yours. It was just we felt pretty purposeless together when we were married. And that was devastating to me because who I am is someone who finds meaning and wants to find meaning in my work, in my life, every aspect of it. And I wanted a teammate to do that with. And I think, you know, in the future, that's something that's going to be really important to me is that that aspect I mean, it has to be a foundation of our partnership, not necessarily doing work together, but that we are going to support each other's passions and purpose because otherwise, I don't know. I just, I, I hear the tension every, every time you guys put out an episode, you know, (laughs) there's a whole podcast and book about this. It's like, no, I want this. She's like, no, I want this. And we're like, oh my goodness. We got somebody back in. Um, All right. We want to end this with hope. When you look forward to love and future Mm. and who you are, Um, what do you want to share and how would you want to encourage any listeners that either have gone through a divorce or thinking about it in the future or just in it? What would you want to share about hope and moving forward? I want to encourage anybody that's listening right now and whether they're teetering on the idea of divorce or um, maybe they're just, maybe they're not teetering on divorce, but their relationship right now, there's just a lot of tension and a lot of just like scary thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, that they're not going to act on, but they're just, they they are are feeling suffocated maybe by their thoughts or the person that has gone through a divorce and, and just wonders like if I'll ever have a partnership or will I ever be loved or, Mm -hmm. um, maybe thinking these, these thoughts. And I mean, I, I feel like I've been on both sides. I've had like the scary thoughts and then I did pursue a divorce and then, um, had the, the thoughts of just, feeling completely unlovable and and purposeless and even just crying and just being like, like, am I ever going to have a partner? I feel like I'm wired for partnership. Like, am I ever going to have that again? I just want to encourage you who's listening, your purpose and your, and your value and, and your worth is not found in anybody. And it can't be because you're already absolutely like what Andre said to me, like you are lovable right now. 
You're lovable right now. You are worthy of the grace and the compassion that you need to give yourself right now. Any shame or guilt that you're carrying right now, like I just want to encourage you to like put it in your journal. If you write it down in your journal, that doesn't mean that those thoughts are true. It just means that you're putting it in somewhere safe, like a safe place. I also would want to encourage like, like therapy is okay and it's healthy and it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. It's the best thing that you can do for your friends or your community. It's the best yeah. thing that you can do for yourself when you find a safe and healthy um, therapist. And that is not weak. Like that is so strong. So just knowing that like therapy is a strong choice and um, compassion and grace is there for you. Like you don't need to do anything to get it. Like it is like, just let yourself like off the hook a little bit and lean into only like one or two people. It doesn't need to be a ton of people in talking about this stuff. Like lean into one or two people to let them know what's going on with your thoughts that you feel like are are safe, that you can process with. And the, sometimes the only way to know what a safe person is, is looking at the fruit of their life and seeing how they show up for other people. That was kind of, that was a way for me to, to see like, like Andre, that's why you were so safe for me because I know that you show up for people like you and Jeff do that. Like y'all have shown up and sat in messy stuff and y'all have sat in your own mess. So like, I knew I could share things that I was going through with y'all and and y'all would help me process. So um, those are some things, there's some tactical, like tangible things, but then also I just, I just want to encourage the person that's wrestling with the shame of their thoughts um, that their worth is not found in a relationship because they're already worthy of love. Mm. So good. Yeah. I know what it feels like to be in that lonely place and to not see the light at the end of the tunnel and to feel like it is so far away to get there. And it feels exhausting. You're already exhausted. And then on top of that, to even get to be like to a remnant of what your former life was, it feels like you just have to work so hard. So I guess in that place, I would just want to encourage you to know like time helps and it's not going to happen overnight. You will find your way out of this season and it most likely will not look the way you think it does. <laughs> you can plan and sit and strategize all you want about it, but it will be slow and you have to go through it. And that is the only way out, unfortunately. <laughs> but having a couple people for support, I think is essential. A therapist is a really great option because there is only so much that your friends can hold for you. Mm -hmm. And I found that I had hit that wall with friends you know, I, I found myself hitting that wall and I didn't want to put that on those friendships because I did respect them and they were able to be more available for me when I was also putting the burden I was carrying on a healthy, in a healthy place, like a, a therapist. Um, and it was nice to have an objective, I don't know, perspective at that point. You're going to make it through, but it just takes time. And I'll say to piggyback just real quick, but you know, we both mentioned therapy and I think it's so important to know the difference between like counseling and therapy. Like I went to a trauma therapist and they specialized in like grief cycles and that 
was so helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're having thoughts, there is hope in going to like a trauma therapist versus like a Christian counselor or just a counselor in general. Um, so I just wanted to yeah, absolutely. specify that to you. Yeah. Well, you guys were both very brave to share your story. And I will also say I love you too because of your honesty. <laughs> you're always real. And you bring your whole hearts to everything and it just makes everything better. For better or worse, we bring our whole hearts. Yeah, (laughs) you do. And I love it. We love you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff, for being the the only dude in the room. (laughs) Well, not the only dude. You said earlier, you activated my empathy. I was like, I've never thought of that in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I said you activated my empathy. And now it's time for the breakdown. They had a lot of things. I think uh, some of their misconceptions that they talk about was really interesting about this idea of like relational failure. Mm. When everything is so like performance driven in our culture, right? And that everything is driven towards like success in your work and success in this. And, and it's also in that same way, like you don't, it's very driven towards a relational success as well, right? So then if that doesn't happen, then you're just a failure. So you're then considered a relational failure in some point, right? And Mm -hmm. I think it's crazy that we put so much on that. And then from then on, it's this mark or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's very interesting that we do that culturally. Yeah. Meanwhile... More than half of our society has gone through this. Right. I think that it's very interesting that we really taboo people in such a way. I'm having a hard time actually debriefing this one because I feel like us debriefing their life is a weird thing. It's so hard. Yeah. But I also have so many takeaways from it. I think one of the big takeaways for me is just the reality and desire and need for community in the midst of these moments and all of us not knowing how to engage community saying the wrong things or retreating in the midst of it, taking sides. I mean, Mm. community, you, this is one of the hardest moments in life and yet it's trauma. I mean, they said it was trauma, right? Yeah. So it's this big traumatic experience and yet we run away from it in so many ways. Right. Or critique or whatever. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yes. I love even just saying like their little, you know, point of like, just keep inviting. Yeah. Please keep inviting us. Please keep inviting me to, you know. Whatever. Just invite us. Yeah. Yeah. Don't delete me out of these things. Mm. I think that was really beautiful. Also, I mean, we're we're saying it again and again, but how this idea is that we can't become like becoming a we without losing the me. That idea, again, like making almost like making somebody else and this this partnership with somebody else as like you're getting from this person. They are your fantasy. They are your everything. They are what is going to complete you and make you happy. You know, like this idea that we sometimes have about that. If that's the mentality, if that's the way of thinking, we are going to lose ourselves Yeah, no matter what. Yep. I feel like if there's someone that's on edge right now in the relationship and they're mm-hmm. debating how to move forward, 
one of the greatest advice pieces I think they gave us and we could give to add to that is before you make a definitive answer of how to move forward, go deep into yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like go deep into knowing yourself better. Who are you? What is your identity? What do you want in life? Mm. Before just blaming the other person or whatever, like go forget the other person for a little bit and go deep into the counseling therapy that you need to understand yourself before mm. you move forward. Is that mm. fair? Yeah. I mean, that was something that they both really, really learned mm. is how much more they had to go into themselves instead of making like the issues, like these issues that you have with the other person, right. the thing. Right. They had to learn that. I have to learn what my things are mm -hmm. and what my issues are first, right? And whether you do that, I mean, before, you need to do that. Oh, yeah. So, like, whoever you are right now, whether you engage that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that, like, way before we get to this hinge point, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it way before where there's a, a definitive moment, moment. Yeah. Right? Let's do that way back here because then hopefully when you get to that place, you're going to know yourself well enough to be able to like make a better decision. I feel like they just schooled us. They know more about relationship advice than I think anybody else that we've had on this show. So hmm. I don't know why we're not learning from people who have really felt like lo the loss and the pain of divorce. Like why aren't they our relationship experts? Well, technically, one of the biggest relationship experts has been through a couple yeah. divorces. Gottman, the Gottman had like he talks about it freely about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of those scenarios, he learned. He learned yeah. more. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Allie, Aaron, thank you for being such great friends and opening your lives. Really it, hard things in life with so many people in our community. It was super vulnerable of you guys. And I cried multiple times during our time together. And I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel supported. And all you all, when you listen to this podcast, give them some serious shout outs and love on Instagram to Allie Makes Things and Aaron Eddy. Thank you so much for being with us. This is another episode of Love or Work. This episode was recorded by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions. <laughs>